Thank you for joining the Pinewood Church Podcast. We hope this inspires you, builds your faith, and gives you fresh perspective on how God is moving in your life. For more information, visit us at pinewoodboulder.com. Enjoy the message. Y'all have a pretty good new year? Everybody feeling good about their new year? Going into 2019, expectant. That's a word that kept coming to mind is I want to lean into 2019 expectant, believing that God's going to do something, something special in our hearts, something special in this city. I love this city. I want all the good stuff just to rain down on this city. I want people to feel known. I want people to feel loved. And that's honestly our prayer for you today. If you're here and you're checking us out, and you're, or maybe you're a guest, our hope, our prayer is that you feel known, that you feel loved, that you feel at home, and welcome. So, just want to say, welcome to the family. Glad you're here. And we're going to dive into a message tonight. An important uh, message because tonight we're going to be talking about kind of the theme for the year. We're going to set a trajectory for the year. Uh, our family... Every year, we come up with a word, uh, and even on our um, drive, you know, because we were in a car, we drove to North Carolina and back. So we had over 30 hours just to have a conversation on what should our word be <laughs> amidst the kids and all the other fun stuff, which is, was, I didn't mean that bad. It was good. We made it. I'm still standing. <laughs> and so we always set a word and as a church I think it's important that we look ahead and we set a word for the church and a theme and so uh, the theme is actually going to be two words for our church for this year and I'm excited to share it with you tonight and we're actually going to lean into this word or these two words for the next three weeks and we're going to be unpacking y'all ready for it? y'all want to know what it is? Oh, great. Ruin a surprise. <laughs> Everybody already knows now. Make room. We're leaning in to make room. Uh, and what we're going to be talking about is making room uh, in our lives uh, for the mission of God. And then we're making room in our lives for worship and His presence in our lives. And we're making room for family. And those are going to be the three weeks we're going to be unpacking those things. And uh, what, I, what I mean when I say make room is we're not... Car- compartmentalizing God into our life in these tiny little spaces. But, at the same time, I think you would agree with me that if you don't do something on purpose and intentional, then you don't do it. Like, in in every area of your life, let's just say for you working out, or let's just say your job, whatever it may be, you made room to get a job in your life. Let's just say, like, with your hobbies, you saw your work week, your rhythms, and you said... I'm going to make some room in my life for this. And I think many of us, going, especially going into this year, before we set too much rhythms of our life and too many patterns in our life, I say we, in the front, in the beginning of the year, we say, I'm going to carve out these special times, these special moments, and be intentional to make room. And that, I just want that make room to just linger, kind of marinate in our minds, kind of just work in our hearts a little bit to say, like, what is God calling me to make room for as it relates to the mission that he's called us to, as it relates to worship with him and the family that he's surrounded us with. So tonight, talking about the mission. Something happened that was pretty substantial on June 29th, 2007. Can anybody help me out and uh, just go ahead and tell me what happened on June 29th, 2007? There was something that was released that many of you have right now iPhone. The iPhone was released on June 29, 2007, and it changed 
the past, it changed the present, it changed the future as we know it. The iPhone was released. I remember when the iPhone was released, I remember exactly where I was, and I remember seeing it for the first time, and my mind just being blown, and holding it in my hand, and being like, wow. You, the, I think one of the things that surprised me the most was like my, I just kept wanting to zoom in on stuff. I was like, I've never, what is this? It's a laptop that you can touch and zoom in on, and it had maps. My mind was just blown. Everybody was. You were the most popular person in the world if you had an iPhone in your hand. Anywhere you went, it was just like, what do you got there? Made, strangers became friends in an instant. And the thing about the iPhone is, when the iPhone, Generation 1, was first released, it had a substantial, whopping 8 gigabytes. Now, some of you aren't laughing because you're like, what's so funny? Like, like I got 8 gigabytes right now. <laughs> but, I mean... That's still cool if you do. You know, you just throw everything in the cloud. You'll be good. Uh, but 8 gigabytes, we, we had it once I just upgrade from the 8 gigabytes. It was, it was good. It was good. <laughs> he's, he's living at 64 gig. No, I'm just kidding. But it, was, it started with the 8 gig, and then uh, which when, and then that happened, we were like, man, how are we ever going to fill up an 8 gig? I just got all the apps. I got all the movies going, and I still have like 7 gigs left. Well, that was then. It was shortly after that 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 8 gigabytes got filled up. And then the next one came out, and it was 16 gig. And you're like, I got to get the 16 gig. So you got the 16 gig, and you filled it up. Then you got the 32, and then the 64. And right now, I currently have the 256 gigabyte phone. And you would think, how are you ever going to fill up a 256 gigabyte phone? If you thought that would be hard or impossible, you'd be dead wrong. Because a couple of weeks ago, I think both of us got a notification that said, you are at max capacity. Our phones started getting slow and shutting down. And we're like, what is wrong with you? Work. And it was, it was too full. We filled it up. And then we had to go dumping. But then what do you, what do you get rid of? <laughs> so you fill up the spaces provided. And this is not just with your phone. We do this in every area of our life. We do it with our schedules. We do it with our, our family. We do it with our hobbies and our work. Whatever the space you have, you fill it with something. You're either filling it on purpose or just, it just naturally happens. And I want to be intentional in every area. It's the same. I remember whenever uh, we moved into our house for the first time, when we got married, we were dead flat broke. Like, as in broke, broke. Like, negative broke. Like, we were, like, way deep in debt. We were, we were not in a good place. We had student loans and all this stuff. And we were like, we lived in this super tiny little house. Literally, it was, it was incredible. Like, so many fun stories to share about this place. Uh, the roof caved in on us. Literally, the roof caved in. It was a super special place. A lot of fun memories there. And I, what happened in this really tiny house was we filled the house. We had furniture, pictures. We had, you know, couches. We had all the things that you would put in a house, and we filled it up pretty quickly, even though we had nothing. And then, you know, our next house was a little bit bigger. We filled it up. And then the third house that we bought, we actually bought a foreclosure. We flipped it. It was this big, massive house. And guess what? We filled it. I don't know how, but we filled it. And I remember when we moved here, we downsized substantially. Uh, because, you know, we had to. We, we downsized to move into our home here, which was much smaller, and we had to get rid of literally everything. So we were like, okay, Let's, let's start packing, and we started packing our storage up. And, I mean, I'd, I'd say we're fairly good at being minimalist in, in areas of our life. And as we were packing boxes up, these boxes started to get stacked up. Our garage, all of a sudden, was just insanely full. 
And like every single day we'd be packing stuff up. We'd look at each other and say, what is wrong with us? Where, where did all this stuff come from? Who bought this stuff? Like, why do we have so much stuff? And we had to get rid of it. And maybe you're with me today. Maybe you've moved. If you, if you think that's not me, I'm not like that. Move. It's a quick reminder of how much stuff you got. But we do this in every area of our life. And what I want to encourage you uh, tonight at the beginning of this year, is to make room in your life intentionally for a miracle. I want you to make room for a miracle. And I believe as we live out the mission that God has called us to, intentionally carve out that space in our lives, pray and believe, I believe every single one of you can experience a miracle in your life. And we're going to look at a text tonight in Scripture of, of some men in Scripture who did some radical unconventional, slightly irrational things, uh, and they got to experience and witness a very special miracle. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn there. It's found in uh, Mark chapter 2. We're going to read verses 1 through 12 together. I preached this before, but came at it from a little different angle, but I felt like God was, kept laying this passage on my heart today and some of the principles and some of the truths to pull from it. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Let's read this together. It'll be on the screen as well. When he entered Capernaum, after some days, it was reported that he was at home. So many people gathered together, and there was no more room, not even in the doorway. And he was teach, speaking the word to them. This is Jesus in a home, with a lot of people around, no room. And it was packed. They came to him bringing a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him, and after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. Pretty intense, pretty extreme, but I like it. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. But some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does he speak like this? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Right away... Jesus perceived in his spirit that they were thinking like this within themselves and said to them, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? I love how God's just kind of in the moment and he's like listening to everybody's thoughts in this. <laughs> why are you thinking this way in your hearts? Which is easier? To say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, take, your, take up your mat and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He told the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take up your mat, and go home. Immediately got up, took the mat, and went out, of the front, went out in front of everyone. As a result, they were all astounded and gave glory to God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let's pray before we continue to dive in and unpack this text together. God, we love you so much. It's truly humbling to be able to come here together and worship you. Right here, right here in the center of Boulder. And God, we not, I just never want to lose that. I love being able to, to sing your praises here and just allow your light to shine so bright and touch lives. God, I just ask tonight, Father, that you would move among us, that you would speak through me. Father, that uh, your Holy Spirit would touch every life here. Father, that uh, for everyone here that came, maybe uh, really struggling. Father, I, I pray that your Spirit would be so present that even if it was just your spirit that just touched their life tonight, they would leave us radically encouraged, uplifted, with their head a little higher. Father, I pray for everybody here tonight that 
that came expectant. Father, we know that you never let us down. You're so good to us. And so, Father, as we just lean into your word tonight and what you have to teach us, Father, uh, we come in with expectant hearts, saying that you're good, we're ready, we're listening, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So to give a little bit of background of the text that we just read, this is Jesus going into a home, teaching, the house is packed, he was in and around Galilee, and this text is very, very early in his ministry. But not early enough that he hasn't already done some things. So at this point in the story, Jesus had already uh, healed the sick. He had already cast out demons. He had already shown authority over creation. And not only that, he'd raised the dead to life. I mean, at this point in the story, I think the word was out that Jesus can pretty much do anything. That he is a miracle worker unlike any other. That there's something different about this Jesus. He's God. Come to earth, the Messiah. Now, Jesus isn't going around doing these acts of miracles to gain any credibility. Jesus doesn't need any credibility. He's Jesus. But this is just a very profound expression of his love for people and his compassion for people. And to be honest, it gives us a roadmap as followers of Jesus, of how we are to live, which is one of the reasons why I just love reading through the Gospels and just seeing all these details of Jesus' life. Because I'm thinking, wow, he was so compassionate, so loving. I want to be like that. And so tonight, that's, we're looking at this text and we're saying, what, what was going on in and around this text, performing these miracles, but also forgiving sins? And as we unpack this say, there's three principles that I want to pull from this text and talk about tonight. The first principle is this is that I want all of us to make room in our life to see the need. This is what these men do. It just says they. We we don't know a whole lot about these men, but it says they. It says they came to him bringing a paralytic carried by four of them. They and them. Not a whole lot to be known about them, but what we do know, we're going to try to pull out right now. What we do know about them is, is that they weren't too busy in their life and they weren't too isolated in their life to see the need in their friend and say, hey, we got to get you to Jesus. And all of their friends did this. They saw the man and they had compassion on him and said, we know the answer. We know the healer. If we can just get you to him, you will find healing. You will be made whole. And as I was thinking about this text, I immediately thought, Are we aware and are we creating margin in our lives to make room to see the need? Think about even your workplace. Think about your friends and the relationships and your family and the people around you. If we're not careful, we can get so busy in everything else in our life that we overlook the needs of the people around us, the people that we love, the people that we need. I honestly even find this to be true with my own family. I get so busy in my work week. I get so busy in my life that I I look at my kids sometimes and I'm like, you got some real needs. And I'm sorry, I've kind of overlooked that this week. But you see the need. Here at Pinewood Church, we want to be a church that sees the need in the city, that we're not too busy where it's about us, but where it's about serving other people. Even Christ came not to, what? Be served, but to do what? But to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So why would we 
in the church who are Christ followers, who wants to be Christ-like, gather a church together, build a church together, and say, it's going to be about us. Come, be a part of what we're doing and serve us. That doesn't make sense, right? As a body of believers, as a people of faith, we should be the ones on the front end of every initiative that's loving and serving people. There should just be an army of Christians on the front line saying, hey, we're here to serve. What do you want us to do? That's one of the reasons why we created the, the Love Boulder Initiative, which is the serve arm of Pinewood Church. It was an, an, an intentional way for us to get in the fine tune to see what is the need in the city? What's in, what's in the heartbeat of the city where they're saying, this is something that we need. This is something that would bless the city, bring good to the city, bring healing to the city. And, you know, we've had a lot of discussions and, you know, there may be some things that you're even thinking about right now. Like, I got some ideas. That's good. We're getting there. You're already starting to make room for serving people. Be thinking about those ideas. But some of the ideas that we came up with uh, early on, just out of our conversations, was caring for parents who have children and saying, hey, we get it. Going on a date is pretty tough. Getting childcare is pretty tough. And it's pretty expensive. So why don't we just offer our time and energy and resources to provide three hours worth of free childcare, well, free to them, not free to us, free childcare so that people can go out and have a date. So we opened it up. I think the first one we had like 12, 16. Somehow he remembers. I don't know all this. So we had 16 and then it grew to about 30, 36, 64. See how it was happening here? And then we had 160 at the last, on the fourth one that we had. But it just kept growing and growing because we struck a chord with the city and a need that was going on. And people were like, you want my kids? Take them. Hallelujah. I love them. <laughs> I, I heard some of the funniest stuff as kids. People were dropping their kids off as we're like trying to get them through like the process of like checking them in like really well. He's like, do we have to do this? Can't you just like, and I'm like, no, dude, this is your kid. Like we're trying to keep your kids safe. Chill out. We're going to get you through and. They're like, yeah, the clock's ticking, bro. I got a couple hours. We need to get out of there. I was like, I get it. I get it, man. Trust me. I get it. But we just struck a chord, and we're going to keep leaning in, keep striking chords, because we as a body of believers are here to serve. We don't want to be isolated. We want to be like these four men who, who didn't just pass by the man, but who stopped and said, hey, hey, let's go, let's go. Let's pick him up. We'll carry him to Jesus. And if we can just get him to Jesus, it's going to be okay. Think about that even with the new initiative that we have coming up. Where This is awesome, guys. I want you to be a part of it. But this uh, love boulder we have coming up this month, at the end of the month, is we're going to love and care for all of our first responders in the city. And this is just the way that we like to do it. You know, if you're going to do it, you might as well go big. We're just going to love and serve all of them. <laughs> so I don't know how. It's funny. We say yes to these things without the resources to do it. With really, with, without even really a plan, it's just kind of like, what's a need? And we know we have a lot of amazing first responders in the city, police officers, firemen. We love our fire chiefs and our police uh, chiefs. And we're going to say, what's something really tangible that we can do? So we're going to take them food. We're going to take them notes, snacks, gift cards. I don't know. If you, got, if you got some of those things, just bring them our way and help us out. But it's going to be good. We're going to care for all of them as just a way to say, hey, we see you. We acknowledge you. We're grateful for you. 
and we love you. That's just going to be who we are, church. As we look ahead, I want us to be a church that makes room, that stops, carves out time, and make room to love and serve the people that are around us. Because that's what I believe Jesus did. So see the need. And you may be here tonight, and you may be thinking, okay, I'm going to make room, but I got some things going on in my life right now that I'm, I'm kind of waiting on my miracle. And I'm, you know, maybe, maybe you're like, I'm the paralytic. I'm waiting for people to come around and pick me up and take me to Jesus, take me somewhere. You're like, I'm waiting for my miracle. I want to encourage you today in a couple of things. One, I want to encourage you that if you have Jesus Christ in your life, and he's the hope in the center of your life, then you have the greatest need met. That you have hope, you have a purpose, that God is good, that he loves you. You may not feel it sometimes, you may not see it right now in this season that you're in, but you have the greatest gift that could ever be given to you. A loving father who's forgiven your sins, who's made you whole, and who has a plan for your life. If you have that, then no matter what you're going through, and I'm not, gonna, I'm not minimizing it, I know it hurts and I know it can be deep, but if you have that in your life, then I'm telling you, there's other people out there that need what you have. And I don't want, as a, as a body of believers, I don't want us to be over here saying, I'm still working through stuff. This is my season. This is the me season. I don't want us to be over here saying that because while you're over here, trying to put your life together, waiting on your miracle, waiting on for God to do your thing, the rest of the world is falling apart. The rest of the world is hurting. The rest of the world is broken. The rest of the world needs hope. The hope that you have. What feels and sounds better to me? You think these four guys had it all together? I don't know. My guess is they were just as hurting, just as broken and beating as always, but they were like, hey, listen, I just know my faith. I love it in the scripture says that their faith, he said, your faith how amazing is it that knowing that our faith could bring somebody to Jesus, but he said, your faith, your, your sins, son, your sins are forgiven. Let me say, I'm going to have faith and I'm going to walk along some people and I'm going to pick them up and I'm going to say, listen, listen, I'm kind of broke too. I kind of don't have it together either. I got some things I'm working through in my life, but I'm going to get you to Jesus because he knows how to meet your greatest need. If we can just get you to Jesus. So I want to encourage you tonight, no matter what season you're in, everybody in here can make room to see the need. The second principle is this. Does it create a space? It says in the text, so many gathered together that there was no room. What a shame. No more room, not even in the doorway. Since they were not able to bring him to Jesus because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And after digging through it, they lowered the mat on which the paralytic was lying. How ridiculous of a scenario do you think that this was? Imagine we're, ha this is, all right, we're in church right now. Somebody starts busting through the roof because they can't get here to see. No, I'm not Jesus. Nobody's going to be doing that. Let me, let's be honest, okay? But I mean, they're getting to Jesus. Bust through the roof, creating all kinds of noise, distractions. And this digging, I mean, it was just like a mud roof. So stuff is falling on people's head. And they're like, come on, bro. Like, just trying to listen to Jesus. And you're making all this distractions. One of the things that I love that I believe is a characteristic about these four men is they didn't see the house being crowded as an obstacle. And I think great leaders have this perspective on situations like this. They don't see a situation and see it as an obstacle and they don't say, well, sorry, bro. Could have been healed. We'll try back tomorrow and take him back and, and then lay him back down. Aren't you glad they didn't have that attitude? Aren't you glad that they said, no, 
it's full, but I see a roof. And we're going to go up there and we're going to dig through it. They don't see it as an obstacle. They see it as an opportunity. And this is something that I was thinking about even in our own lives. As you're bringing people to Jesus, you're making room. I was thinking, I, I love claiming the promises of God. I love speaking the promises of God. And if I'm bringing somebody to God, I don't want to see obstacles like that as problems. I want to see them as promises. Like God will make a way. I will dig through that roof. This person will come to have a relationship with Jesus, and I'm not going to give up on him. We may have to dig a little harder. We may have to lay down a little mat. But in the end, I know it's going to be worth it. Has there ever been anything in your life where you came up to like an obstacle like this, and you were like, I'm going to power through this. I'm going to fight through this. And you worked through it, and you kept digging, you kept digging, you kept digging. And then in the end, you got to it. You were just like, I'm glad I didn't stop. And church, let's not quit. Let's not give up. You may be thinking, man, I've been inviting this person to church for, you know, weeks and weeks and my seventh invite, my eighth invite. It could be the ninth. Don't give up. Man, I've been praying for this person for years and nothing. Don't give up. Don't see these as obstacles. There's more opportunities to lean in harder, pray harder, serve harder, love harder, and do whatever it takes. That's what I love about these guys. I like, I like people that are just a little bit off, you know, just a little bit crazy. I love that they busted through the roof, something super radical, something super irrational, because they said they had a whatever it takes mentality. As we think about making room in our life, can we go into it with a whatever it takes mentality for this city, for our friends, for the people that we love? To say, we may look a little ridiculous, but we're going to make room. I even think about the crowd, and it makes me sad for the crowd. Like, amazing for the experience. I mean, awesome. Like, if you were in that moment, you got to see the man drop, awesome. But it makes me sad for the crowd because how do they miss the paralytic who's just outside, who's hurting and broken, trying to get to Jesus? You know, that should have been the most, like, epic crowd surf experience ever. Let's get this guy to Jesus. And then just he walls to the front, and his healing go on. But it wasn't like that. And I just think, man, I just... As I think about that crowd, I just think to myself, I never want to be that crowd. I never want to be the crowd that we just jam in here and we don't make room for the broken in this city and the hurting in this city. Even during our team rally earlier, I was just sharing with them. I said, I want our door to just be this massive, huge door to the whole city. Just say, come on in. We've made room for you. Not only space, not only chairs, but we've made room for you in our hearts. We want to have a relationship with you. We're going to pray for you. We have a space for you. Every single one of you here today have a place because somebody made space. Somebody said that there's a place for you here. There's room for you here to be loved, to be known, and to serve, and to use the gifts that God has given you in this city. And I want to be that kind of a people. But not only makes room here but as we go out we bring them in like these four men faith doesn't say I wonder what others might think faith says I'm on a mission from God and I'm not going to quit I think about it what's holding you back you know what are the things in your life what are the obstacles in your life what are the things that 
are holding you back from fulfilling the mission that God has called you to, from making room in your life? What are the things that are holding you back? Could be fear. Could be fear. Could be time. You could be saying today, you don't know my schedule, man. Like, I'm a really busy person. Like, I'd love to serve. I'm just busy. It could be resources. You're saying, I'm kind of at max capacity right now. I just made some big investments. And now I really don't have a lot of extra cash flow. So that's kind of holding me back from doing what I felt like God was calling me to do. I don't know. I don't know what it is for you. But what, what is that thing that's holding you back? What is that obstacle in your life? And I encourage you today, whatever that thing is, trust God and say yes. Don't you think, we sang about it earlier, don't you think the God who spoke the stars into existence, where all creation sings his praise, don't you think that God can take care of your calling? Don't you think God can take care of the, the mission he's called you to? You think that God would say, I want you to do this and not come behind you and provide a way? He will. And he wants to. But sometimes you got to get a little crazy. Sometimes you got to not care what other people are going to think. And you just got to say, God, you have my yes. And I'm going to go for it. The last and final thing is... Uh, when you make room in your life for the mission that God has called you to, then you get to witness a miracle. You get to witness a miracle. Verse uh, 2, verse 11. Seeing their faith, Jesus told the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. He said, I tell you, this is down back in verse 11. Later on, he said, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. And immediately got up, he took the mat and he went out in front of everyone. I love what happened in this text. This is, in, this is incredibly important. And Matthew is an, uh, an amazing storyteller. And so I love all the little details within this story. There's too many that for us just to unpack here. We could, do, we could do the whole series just on this text. But one of the details in the text is that God made a big statement early on in his, in his ministry, especially right here. Because you had the critics in the room, which by the way, if we are going to get a little crazy and a little irrational, a little radical in the city, and make an impact. Uh, people are going to think we're a little crazy. There are going to be the critics, which is fine. Haters going to hate. We're going to keep on moving. It's going to be all good. But there's the little critics here, and they're saying, nobody can, no, wait, you can't say that. You can't blaspheme God. Only God can forgive sins. Who do you think you are? And I can imagine God in his heart just being like, yep. You heard me right. Son of man, your sins are forgiven. I am God. He made a statement in forgiving his sins by saying, yeah, I, I've expressed my humanity coming in the form of a man, but I'm also telling you my divinity and saying that his sins are forgiven. I am God. I am the one that has the authority to forgive sins. It's a very powerful and profound moment. And in this moment, which at that point would be punishable by death, Jesus is literally sealing his death sentence, starting the trajectory of him going to die on a cross right here by saying, I am God. What I love about this part of the text is that Jesus met the greatest need through forgiveness. In this story, it's called the, par the paralytic, story of the paralytic, 
You know, you would think the greatest need was the fact that he can't walk. So when he drops down and his mat touches the ground, you would think, heal his body. And I can imagine even when Jesus was like, son, your sins are forgiven, and the man was made whole. He's like, thank you. But what about the other stuff? But Jesus always goes directly to our greatest need. Why? Because God knows our heart. And the greatest need in our life had the greatest cost. And it provides the greatest and most lasting blessing. And that is the forgiveness of our sins through Jesus Christ. So if you're here today, and even as we're sharing the story about the coming to Jesus as the paralytic, and you have needs. The first need that I, I want to encourage you to look at going into 2019 is, have you made Jesus Lord of your life? Has he forgiven you of your sins? And have you put your faith and trust in him? Then that moment, that's when God meets you right where you are. He forgives you of your sins. All of those sins that have you felt guilty over and that have weighed you down, where you've known that you've sinned against the holy God and haven't measured up. God says, I forgive all that. You're clean, you're whole, you're justified. I'm setting you apart for a very special purpose. You get to witness a miracle whenever you make margin in your life to see the need and create the space and make room. The statement that going into this series that kept lingering in my mind is there's room for more. There's room for more. And there's two areas that over the next few weeks we're going to keep leaning into. But one is making room in our life and making room in his house. And so I just want us to be reflective in this new year. You know, I don't know. Does anybody in here make New Year's resolutions? Anybody? A couple people. And the ones that do don't want to admit it because it's like, then I'm accountable to it, you know? So everybody's like, maybe. I mean, I might have a few. But we all, we all set goals at this time. I think it's a good thing to do. We set, even if it's small, we set goals at this time. Something else that we do that I think is just kind of natural in us, we're reflective of the past. And so we look back on our last year and we look back on our last month and just some areas in our life and we say, what, what adjustments can we make? What can we change going into this new year that, that would make us better or that we would be able to be more proactive, uh, more productive with our time. I just want to encourage you today, as we think about this Make Room series, to think through your rhythms of your week, think through the rhythm of, rhythms of your life, and to make room for the mission God is calling you. Pray about, and we're going into 21 days of prayer and fasting. This is the perfect, this is the perfect way to go into making room. Because that's what fasting is. Fasting is taking something out of your life. So this is like a forced make room. We're going to like, we're going to force you into making room if you're going to join us. Because it's removing something from your life to make room to enter and to lean into the presence of God. Just amazing. You, you, you fast from something. And in, every time that you feel that hunger pain or you go to pull up your phone if you're fasting from your phone or social media or whatever the case may be and you think, you know what? I'm going to lean into the presence of God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pull out my Bible. I'm going to lean into my relationship with him. And I'm going to trust that he's going to do something in my life. And so in your life, I want to encourage you as the first step, you know, what, how, what am I going to walk away with? How can I apply this to my life? The first step, I want to encourage you to join us in the 21 days of prayer and fasting. 
Cut out that margin in your life. Whatever that one thing is that you feel like is not adding value, is causing you to not really see the people around you and to see the need of those around you, cut that out of your life. You're like, man, I, could, I couldn't go 21 days without eating. It doesn't have to be eating. It could be something smaller. But if you're like, man, I want to go to the, what's like, what's intense fasting? I don't know. Maybe don't eat for 21 days. And then every time that you get that hunger pain or every time you think about eating, which let me tell you right now, you think about eating. We all think about it all the time. You think, you think, lift up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to God. I'm going to pray. I'm going to lean into his presence. Same for social media, whatever the case may be. I want to encourage you to do that. I promise you, promise you, you will benefit from it. I tell people this all the time, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. When you lean into the presence of God with everything that you have, you say, God, show up. You read his word and you read his story. You read Jesus. You lean into his presence. I can promise you, you're going to feel his love. You're going to feel his comfort. You're going to feel his healing. He's going to wrap his arms around you and you're going to say, there you are, God. I'm sorry I've been so busy. But this season, I'm going to make room. We make room for what we value, right? When we, when we have values in our life or in our family, we prioritize those things. So you prioritize your values. You make room for that. And, and whatever that is. Let's prioritize worship to God. Let's prioritize his mission and his calling on our life in this season. And I promise that you'll be incredibly blessed as a result. We're going to have a, a time of response. We're going to sing a song. And in this song, I just want you to just think and pray and meditate on, on what, what is it, God, that you're calling me to create margin in in my life so that I can be more intentional this year. Not just be busy, not fill up my capacity and my time with other things, but be more intentional to be on mission for you. Our community at Pinewood Church aims to meet people where they are and point them to Jesus in Boulder and around the world. Thank you for your support. If you would like to further connect with us, you can find out more at pinewoodboulder.com or on any social media platform with the handle at pinewoodboulder.com.